0: Setting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Nicole Polton. She's got an amazing story from addiction, struggle, to redefining recovery, and healing path turning pain into power. It's gonna be a fantastic, inspiring journey of courage for the audience. And I'm happy to dive into the conversation. So Nicole, welcome.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, so you're actually um, an addiction recovery coach. So you've turned your story and your experience into helping others dealing with you know, some of the same issues. So kind of set the stage. Talk about your experience, background, and we'll dive right into the conversation.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, when I was 15, it all starts a long time ago. <laughs> when I was 15, <laughs> I I suffered a, an injury. So I, I broke my back and that's kind of what kickstarted my addiction. Um, from then I had access to basically unlimited pain pills and, mm. you know, it just kind of spiraled from there, got hanging out with the wrong people and got into some deeper stuff. And now I'm almost six years sober. I've got about one month to go until I reach that that benchmark. But I, along my journey, found what works for not just getting sober, but staying sober. And I felt really guilty just holding on to that information. And so that's what I've kind of done now is I've decided to start a, a coaching practice. And now I share that information with other people so they can get sober also.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing story. And like I said, um, I interviewed guests every day and they've, all, they've all have a certain skill or an experience or, um, and they translate that into helping others and you're doing the same. And so mm-hmm. kind of one thing is talking about is, um, oh, you know, share your personal journey. What led you to become an addiction recovery coach?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. My background is a little wild. Um, it actually all started in my adolescence. I was growing up in a house that was not supportive at all. It was very abusive. Um, and I was actually sexually abused for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And so in that time I, you know, suffered from depression and suicidal thoughts. And I had this moment, I remember being 10 years old and I, you know, it was a really hard day and I was alone in my closet and I was crying and And I had this thought, kind of like this out-of-body experience thinking, I have to keep going because one day I'm going to share what I went through so somebody else doesn't have to suffer or they don't have to suffer alone. Mm -hmm. And so then from there, I mean, I was so young when that happened. I kind of lost that along the way. And then with the addiction side of things, like once I got sober and I started healing all of those deeper wounds from the abuse as a kid... Uh-huh. That's when I realized, oh, yeah, I actually had this passion back then to speak up and to, you know, speak out about abuse and addiction and, and help people kind of find their way again. Uh-huh. Because I, I mean, with my past, I have been around a lot of people that have kind of lost their way. And it's not like they're bad people, right? They just get a little lost and confused. And so I just, I felt really inspired to, to help people come back to the life that they actually want and that they're proud of. Mm. And with my experience with actually staying sober and and maintaining sobriety, it felt like that's the best course of action to go in order to teach people and how to help them. And, and addiction doesn't discriminate, right? So mm. in any class, any race, any profession, anything like that, like there's, there's addiction that that touches everyone now at this point because whether you're the addict or not it's like you know somebody there's a family member there's a friend somebody's suffering with something mm-hmm. and what the way that i look at addiction is that it's it's a solution to a deeper problem but we're all trying to find different ways to self soothe Some people do that through like watching TV or exercise, and other people do it through drugs and alcohol. (laughs) So it's just finding what's more in alignment with your goals and your lifestyle that you want to have. Mm. And then how do we, you know, bridge that gap?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's quite interesting because you mentioned some of the um, emotional trauma. You know, my emotional trauma is kind of, you know, people pleasing and, you know, excelling and, you know, um, and then choosing the wrong career. And then at my lowest, I was, you know, in a similar situation as like, but then, you know, something tell me to keep going and help others, you know, in your same, you know, so we share the kind of the same mm-hmm. um, paths. Um, one thing that is talking about is um, addiction affects individuals in different ways. And how do you, you know, can you explain that? And how do you um, approach clients differently?
1: Yeah, so my clients, it's, I I get so passionate about this. So it's it's really wild to see how addiction actually works. So I have clients who have alcohol addiction, some who have like marijuana addiction, some who have porn addiction, food addiction. So it's all over the place and it all comes down to it's so wild, but it's always a solution to a problem. And so we go deeper into the problem. It always starts with something in the adolescence. Something in your childhood, whether it's how you were raised or I guess not always, I don't want to put a blanket on it because there's sometimes there's events that happen in our adult life that, you know, it can be hard to process, but typically some emotional distress happened at some point in the past. And then now we don't really know. A lot of times it's subconscious. We don't even know that there's something we need to deal with. And then, you know, it's just a way to feel good again. We start eating more or we start, you know, drinking more or whatever it is. And so, with my clients, the approach is different. It's a very customized approach, depending on the person and where they're at in their healing journey and the work that they've done already in the past. Or if they haven't done any work yet, that's totally fine. It all depends on the person. But really, diving into like, how are they raised? What is their, like their mindset in regards to themselves? How do they treat themselves, their views of the world, their limiting beliefs? Like we go through all of that. We get a lot of clarity on really what the problem is Mm. because once we can identify it and it's problems that haven't been identified ever in their life. Like they didn't know that they had, you know, all of this crazy stuff going on. But then once we identify it, then we can actually address that problem. And then the addiction kind of goes away because it's no longer needed as a solution.
0: So it sounds like what you're saying is um, the, uh, you know, addiction is kind of a symptom of a larger problem. And, you know, people are just using that to run away or not deal with it. Um, Especially, go ahead. I think you had a good thought, but yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it's almost an... And like I said, everybody is different. So I don't want to put a whole black and white blanket on it, but very, very often it's always some other, it's, it's not, it's not the substance itself. That's always the solution to something deeper because we're all self-soothing in different ways. And say like, I start eating a lot of chocolate that might work for me for a while, But then if the emotions are too uncomfortable still, it's like, okay, now I need to go to something else in addition or like totally different. So then you start building on to these other habits that you don't like. And I'm not saying that eating chocolate is bad, you know, like there's different levels to this. Obviously eating chocolate is definitely maybe a lot better than like going and, you know, doing all these harder drugs. Right. But we all have different levels to these emotions on what we can tolerate and it coming from different trauma that we've had or crazy experiences that we've had. It's always a way to not have to feel those things. The addiction yeah. is always a way to, to self-soothe.
0: Self-soothe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So kind of, uh, you know, moving on is, um you know, with this idea of um the stigma around you know, and the stigma around addiction can be a significant barrier. And so how do you work to reduce this stigma and make seeking help more accessible for those struggling with addiction?
1: Yeah. So I do a couple of things. One of the things is for me just talking about it. So kind of removing the shame from my own experience like I can tell you no shame at all. Like I used to do cocaine and now I don't, you know, it's something I've learned that that's not in alignment with what I want to live my life like, mm-hmm. but I'm okay to talk about it and okay to talk about the past. And then when I'm working with a client, I don't la- I don't put a label on it as, oh, we're addicts. So, you know, we've, we're once an addict, always an addict. It's not like that. I mean, some people that label helps because then it, it lets them realize how real and serious the problem is. Mm -hmm. But I'm really cautious about putting a label on somebody's identity and somebody's character because I don't want to put them in a box. Mm -hmm. So by not calling them an addict and not attaching that identity to them, it actually allows them to feel like they can break free and progress past the problem. Not to call out AA, but you know, addicts, anonymous, alcoholics, anonymous, like we don't have to be quiet about our problem. We can speak up and talk about it because by talking about it, it actually takes all that shame away Uh and being okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then by talking about it, it takes away cravings. And there's, there's all of this logic and, and, you know, other stuff that comes with just being able to open up about the problem, because then it, it lets the problem come out instead of, you know, digging it deeper into you and, and pushing it down. It, it lets you release it. Mm-hmm. So those are the two biggest things around the stigma. Really, I mean, speaking up and and realizing that this is a an issue that affects everyone in some way, shape or form. We all know somebody or are somebody who has some kind of addiction, different levels, obviously, but we've all got something.
0: Yeah. And just like you said, it's all about, you know, people cope in different ways. And like I said, it can be either, um, you know, really destructive, or, you know, kind of, you know, there there, but, um, you know, it's, it's all pointing to some underlying emotional trauma. The other question is, um, you know, nobody's perfect, you know, they get on this path of recovery, healing, but then they relapse and kind of talk about, you know, how you strategies for um, navigating relapse.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to relapse, uh, when I, t- when I tell my clients is a relapse, isn't a failure. There's a lot of times that, you know, people can be sober for a couple months or a year or a couple years, and then they relapse and now they feel like they've lost all their progress. But I don't believe that at all, because if you're sober for six months and then you have, you know, an a relapse and you're off track for a week or two weeks or whatever it may be, that doesn't mean that you didn't learn something in that first six months, right? So the relapse is typically information is what I look at it as. So if you relapse, then I, as the, as a coach go back and think, okay, so what happened right before the relapse? What emotional triggers did you have? What environments were you in? Who were you with? What were your thoughts? Like, let's look at the patterns because something happened that, you know a couple days before that day that you relapsed something happened that triggered you know the uncomfortable uncomfortable emotions that were too hard to handle so we just use it as information and then basically just get back on the track and and keep going and then it it's easier to identify patterns in the future so when you first get sober, you know, you might have a couple relapses at the beginning, but every single time you're learning something new. So it's always progress. You're always pushing forward.
0: Yeah. It's almost like it almost reminds me of a diet, because like, you know, you're on a they have this like six um day, you know, you're you know, you're consistent and the seventh day you can do and then a lot of people the seventh day they um feel guilty afterwards and mm-hmm. you know they either Overcompensate by like exercising or start you know kind of. um, So
1: with this, it's like like instead of a diet, or with a diet, people you know they can go the whole week and then they've got their cheat day or whatever. They they eat a cookie, they feel bad, so then they just go off the deep end. Well, does that mean that you're never going to try and eat healthy again, or are you going to maybe learn from it right and then and do a little bit better the next day? Like it's not black and white. It's all. It's not all or nothing. Any amount of substance that you can, you know, take away from your life is a is a win. So even if that goes from drinking, you know, some people two bottles of wine a night to one bottle, that's that's a win, right? (laughs) It just depends on what the goals are of the individual, really, because I come at it with an approach of of balance. So it's not all or nothing. There's some people, and and I get a lot of hate for this. So um, I just believe that. If there's somebody who's struggling with, in my example, like my situation, pain pills, but they didn't have a problem with alcohol, as long as it doesn't shift to instead of pills, I now drink, you know, uh-huh. then there's no real reason to have to cut out all alcohol in your life. Yeah, Some people want to go totally abstinent from everything. And that's amazing. And that's actually what I practice now. But at the beginning, I couldn't do that. Like getting sober off of pain pills, I actually overdosed. And that's what was really like that leverage effect for me to want to make a change. Mm -hmm. But then to get off of the pain pills, something I could die from, I switched to smoking marijuana. And so it saved my life. It definitely long term, you know, it's not the way I want to go forever. But that's the way that I shifted. And now I'm off of everything. But that's what I had to do in order to not overdose anymore. And so I come at it from the approach of balance and what are our goals and how are we going to get there? And it might not be, you know, quitting cold Turkey day one. You know, we sometimes have to work into it because we're creating something that's going to last and, and that's going to take some, you know, some tactics to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really fascinating discussion. And um, like I said, um, sounds like you're on your journey your healing journey, helping others, um, kind of to close it out, kind of talk about, you know, looking for the future, you know, what excites you the most, what keeps you motivated, and driven both in your personal life and your professional career. And, and then how can people contact you, follow you, it's uh, check out your work, etc.
1: Yeah. So I'm super excited. Something that I'm introducing for the new year um, is actually group coaching. So in the past, I've just done one-on-one and that's been very successful. And now I want to apply it to a group setting. So it's more affordable for people, because I think that that's a big threshold for a lot of people to get sober and to get help instead of trying to do it themselves. So that's where the business is going. That's where we're, you know, we're heading. And, and if you're interested in that, anybody listening feel free to reach out to me either on Instagram or my website. Um, Instagram is Nicole.polton And my website is just Um, Reach out and then we can see, I mean, everything is customized. So we can see what fits for you and what works and get you some help.
0: Yeah. And for all the listeners out there, let's thank Nicole for coming on and sharing her amazing story, uh, very powerful and uh, you know, even physicians they struggle. They they struggle the most because they have they have to hide it because they have to yes. appear perfect. And um, so I know a lot of physicians struggling out there. Seek help. Um, if you're listening to this, um, you're not alone. And um, all of Nicole's resources will be in the links and show notes. Uh, be sure to check out all of her socials. Give her a like, follow, share, comment, subscribe. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.